Thanks for joining us for another amazing message from C3 Church Calgary. Our hope is that our podcast will equip and connect you to Jesus. Now prepare your hearts to receiving something new from God today. Father, we thank you for the outpouring of your spirit. We celebrate that today and we receive fresh from you in Jesus' name, like a fire, like a flood. Lord, I thank you for those that are thirsty this morning, that they can be quenched with living water, Lord. You can satisfy the cries of our souls, Lord, today. Father, I thank you for refreshment this morning. I thank you for refinement this morning, Lord. I thank you for renovating, Lord, those dry places within us once again, oh God. Thank you that you can pour it out, Lord, that we can receive a touch from heaven today. Father, thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming. Thank you, Jesus, for sending. And we thank you today that we can can be receiving in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What a great song. Thank you, worship team. Thank you so much. That was excellent. It's kind of nice having John Lee back with us, don't you think? Hey, back home where he belongs. That's great. Oh, how awesome was that? Well, we've sure covered a lot of ground this morning already, and um, I want to uh, I want to share with us from the Word of God, and I'm really happy that you're all here. Um, n- next week with Dave and Jenny here, I really r- want you to make an extra effort to try and join us. This, this uh, couple, part of um, the benefits, one of the benefits of being part of a global movement is we get global, have, have um, access to global ministers and global ministry. And uh, Dave and Jenny have planted 12 uh, churches and um, they just uh, opened one a couple months ago in Frankfurt, and uh, just amazing. And then they also have one Malaysia and a bunch across the UK. And, and uh, anyway, I'm really looking forward to hearing from them next week. And uh, they're going to be with us. I think they show up tomorrow, don't they? It's going to be a big week. We've got a big week ahead. So anyway, don't, you don't, I don't want you to miss that. That's going to really, really be great. I want to wrap up our, our series on money matters this morning. And, uh, and after that... Um, the Lord has been speaking to me very deeply about about uh, sp- about about uh, warfare, and uh, so usually that means that we're probably entering a certain season of that. Uh, my hunch is probably about a six-month season, and so I want to, after this series, we want to give some context to um, that, and so we'll see how that works out, and that's that's. Uh, ahead, so yeah, summer, summer, summer's summer's just about here. Well, summer really is here. Um, take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 16. One of the most perplexing, potentially confusing, and complex parables I think in the New Testament. So I'm not going to try to unpack it all, but I'm going to make one point from it, and I think that should be good enough. Um, I hope it's good enough. Um, Luke chapter 16, and uh, note Luke. What did I say? I meant Luke. <laughs> you guys should be, um, you know, more discerning than that. You, what's, it's what I mean, not what I say. <laughs> Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, chapter 16. Um, the, the, um, the thing with preaching on money is not that popular, and it's a little bit awkward, and I think that's just simply because it's... Um, it's an area that we have not, uh, maybe as ministers, perhaps for me, I know I'm learning a lot this last few months, but it's because we haven't 
uh, broken through yet and punched right through some of these, uh, the mindsets and thoughts around finances. And so I find um, that's really important for me that I have some victory before I try and share that victory. And I can't lead anybody else to victory if I haven't been through it. And so um, money is a thing that we have to deal with um, a lot. And, um, and so I think it's really important. And I think it helps us when we break through, we get fresh in, 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 fresh understanding of uh, what the Lord is trying to do. And even, you know, in the life of Jesus, I think that Jesus, he traveled with an accountant and uh, he was a bit crooked, but um, he traveled and I think that he was, uh, he handled large sums of money personally. And, uh, and I think it's really important that we and he get, get some understanding about this. So this morning I wanna talk about, this is se- session number four, <laughs> I think. Um, session number four on, and I'm gonna talk about the function of faith, faith and the purpose of prosperity. And, uh, and I want us to look at this parable in Luke chapter 16. Um, the previous chapter is one of my favorites, of chapter 15 about the prodigals, the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. And, um, and, then the, the, uh, and then we start right away, and I think actually this bears some, some reflecting on how it Im, uh, is in context of chapter 15. But this morning, let's just have a look at chapter 16. Jesus told this story to his disciples. A rich man hired a manager or a steward to handle his affairs. But soon a rumor went around that the manager was thoroughly dishonest. So his employer called him and said, what's this I hear about your stealing from me? The admission of of guilt is that he didn't actually push back on that. So I, I think he clearly was stealing. So his employer called him and said, what's this I hear about your stealing from me? Get your report in order because you're going to be dismissed. Manager thought to himself, now what? I'm through here and I don't have the strength to go out and dig ditches and I'm too poor to beg. I, I know just the thing. And then I'll have plenty of friends to take care of me when I leave. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come in and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe me? The man replied, I owe 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, tear up the bill and write another one for 400 gallons. And how much do you owe my employer, he asked the next man. A thousand bushels of wheat was the reply. Here the manager said, take your bill and replace it with one for uh, only 800 bushels. Now, let me just make this comment. For somebody to steal from his employee, employer is not uncommon. It happens every day. All the time. But here's where it gets weird, I think. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it's true that the citizens of the world are more shrewd than the godly are. I tell you, use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. In this way, your generosity stores up a reward for you in heaven. Isn't that fascinating? Thank you, Lord, for your word. Now it can instruct us in the way that we should go. What a fascinating scripture. So um, there's a couple of things I, I, I first of all, want to share. We, a a simple biblical um, formula that I was taught right after I was saved was the 10-10-80 principle, where you give 10%, you save 10%, and you learn to live on 80%. Pretty, not bad, that's a a pretty good uh, 
pretty good formula. The, uh, after years of study and a whole bunch of research, I found that uh, giving zero, saving zero, and living on 114% is not a good idea. <laughs> Took a lot of research. I figured it out. But it's typically what Canadians do. We live on 114% of, of our income. The, the, so, so it's just for me, um, I, I think that it's a matter of maturity and a matter of you know, a whole bunch of things. But the point I want to make this morning about is, is about trusting God with our finances. And when we give, we need to, I believe we need to give in faith. We need to attach faith to our giving. So if I could go over the last uh, few weeks, I talked about four functions. The first one is ownership uh, versus stewardship and that we're to be stewards of everything, that everything we've been given, we're stewards of it. We're simply managers. Point number one, the principle number one or whatever. Let's, let's call them four tires on a car. The second one is diligence. Uh, work hard. God blesses the, what we put, he says, he says, I'll bless the work of your hands. Well, your hands need to be doing something for him to bless it. So work hard. Um, the third one was about mindsets. As many times we get locked into certain cultural mindsets or family mindsets that are fear-based or poverty-based, and it's hard to break out of these strongholds. And the last one is about giving and giving with faith. So just to do a quick diagnostic for yourself, is there any one of those tires that could be overinflated or one that's flat? Because if so, she's going to be a bumpy ride. So there's, so there's a lot of pieces, I think, need to come into place and, and last week, um, we actually invoked that passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 9 as how God gives seed to the sower. And we added faith to that. And I was really trying to reverse this crazy little lie that we have in our mind. Well, Lord, and, and, and I, I've made this argument too before, is, is, and I've heard it so many times, is, well, I have none left over to give to the Lord. I said, okay, well, if you will, he will. He will give seed to the sower. So last week I asked if there is there people who would be willing to say, if the Lord gives me $1,000, I'll give it back to him. Now, did that happen to anybody? Did $1,000 come in? One, two, three. Pretty good. I, I, we, that's really pretty good. So I, I said, let's over the next three months. If you will, he will. And I think one of the reasons, like Judy had mentioned this morning, is why we can test them is this, because this is scary. It's really scary to be giving of our, it's, all, it's nice that he give his life for us, but about us giving our life for him is a whole nother deal. And really our money is what we've given some of our life for, and it's like exchanging some of our life. And will we trust him? And that's the, this is the crux of the matter. Will we trust him? So... So I think that it's really important. So let me make a summary conclusion so far. I believe that there's many people get stuck in their walk with the Lord because they're not trusting God in their area of finances. This has been the case with me. And, and over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about if he can't trust you with money, he can't trust you with the true riches. So, so let me just remind us of one other point from Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 18. It says, that it's the Lord, he says, remember this, it's the Lord that gives us the ability to produce wealth. You note that it doesn't say that he writes checks and provides us, he gives us the ability. That's a significant difference. 
So can I just use that term that he gives us the ability? Can I use that term and put in there, the, he gives us the ability, he gives us the enablement, he gives us the strength, or he gives us the talent, or he gives us the anointing. Anointing is really enablement. So, so here's what happens when you find you, you have a certain skill or a certain strength in a certain area and you start to shine and you're able to make an income and money comes in because you're exercising your strength. That's what Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 18 means. That he gives us the ability, he gives us the gifting, he gives us the skills, he gives us the energy, he gives us the health, he gives us, let me just, the motivation. And when you, I found at a very young age, I was pretty good at sales. This created a problem for all the multi-level marketers. I somehow attracted every one of them. I don't think there's anything wrong with that particularly, but for me it created a problem because in ministry people want to know, well, do you really want to be my friend or do you want to be part of my organization? So I had to, I had to put aside the, that deal for me. But, but what's your strength and what is the strength and what's the ability that you have? The point that I think is about finding your sweet spot in life, what do you find that you're able to do well? Are you able to think well? Are you able to talk well? Are you able to use your hands well? What is your skill? What, that ability comes from the Lord. And that's wonderful. So, so when I was uh, at a, when we first got married, um, I thought, so Kelly was taking uh, home ec at university and, um, and learning, learning to cook. And uh, I, I just knew it intuitively. I just knew how to cook. So, so <laughs> what I thought is I just give her a little lesson right after we got married. So we had lots of, lots of eggs on the farm and uh, the only way you made custard was with eggs. I'd never seen any other way. Well, she's from England and they make custard with um, dust, the little, the bird's eye, the thing. Well, <laughs> so here, but I was on it ba back then, I was, and, it's, and I still am a little bit, I'm a little health conscious about stuff, right? So here's what I thought I'd do. I thought, I'll just help you out because, okay, if you want to put the fat in, okay, but we really need to put eggs in custard. You can't make custard without eggs. And the more eggs, the better. That's what I think. And instead, and she would want it to put white sugar in with the custard. Well, really, you need to use brown sugar or honey or maple syrup or something other, right? So what I thought I'd do is I'd just help her out like this, and, and uh, this was our first year of marriage. We lived on a uh, little acreage in the farm, a one-burner stove. Like there was three, but only one worked. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody remember Harvest Gold appliances? Yeah. Ours was Harvest Gold. Anyway, anyway, just, just for the record, um, uh, it really didn't work out at all. The, the eggs and the powder and the sugar and the, no, no, it didn't work out at all. Uh, there's certain ingredients that you have to have to make that custard all work. Since then, I'm no longer using eggs, I'm using the dust, and uh, life is getting better for me. But the point I wanna make is, uh, is that there are certain ingredients in, in, in understanding finances and prosperity and in, from scripture, and, not, and one is not enough. So if I were to say, well, just give and God's going to bless you. Yeah, okay, but you need to give with a, from a certain heart attitude and you need to give in faith and you need to give not grudgingly and you need to give cheerfully and you need to give regularly and I think you need to give proportionately. 
So there's a bunch of pieces to it that are always tend to be, they feel like they're moving all the time. Well, this particular parable is complicated because the master celebrates the dishonest rascal for stealing. That's complicated for me. And it wasn't like he had so much money that it didn't matter. Otherwise, he wouldn't have, had, he wouldn't have noticed that this guy was stealing from him, right? So, I think one of the most fascinating principles or revelations from Scripture is that we can use our earthly resources to impact eternity. It's mind-blowing. So what I do with my finances here can have an impact in eternity. This is, that, that we don't, and, and in Matthew chapter six, you know the whole story about don't store up your treasures on earth and about, and about uh, you know, look at the, the birds of the field, they don't stress. I've never, actually I've never seen, has anybody ever seen a bird that died from starvation? God looks after them, he says, I'll look after them. So won't I look after you, O ye of little faith? But what is, I, and I don't see, I, and I feed the birds all the time. I think it's my responsibility to help Jesus. We got a little partnership going on. My deck there, I feed the birds. And um, so, so he, here's the point, is that you just intuitively, birds trust the Lord to provide for them. It should be one of the intuitive things for us, but, but money confuses and complicates that because money has the ability to make us want to trust it instead. So I just want to look at this a little bit because I think that verse 8 can be very confusing. And if you don't understand this verse, you may not have understood the last few weeks of sermons. But one of the primary purposes of prosperity, I believe, is to help others. And I think that's what this point he's trying to make right here. He, he starts off, I think, by saying guilty as charged. Yeah, he's, he was... He, he said that, that uh, his employee called him in and said, what do I hear about you ste- stealing? He'd, he'd been stealing. That's what's been going on. So now he, the dishonest rascal is going to try something a little different. It raises a point. Um, is that what I believe is not... <laughs> um, lazy people usually have financial problems, but not all people with financial problems are lazy. Ike, that's important to note. Um, Typically, you find, like this guy, is that people who are lazy, he says, not that he couldn't dig ditches, he didn't want to. And the result is he tried, he was going to steal instead. He says, I'm too, proud, uh, I'm too proud to beg. Isn't it a shame that he's not too proud to steal? <laughs> uh, so it's interesting to me because I think that it's very common, and I have went through this myself and more in my younger years than lately, is that many times in our culture we have people who have a lottery mindset, I don't think buying lottery tickets is a sin. Can I say that? I've, wa- I've bought one in my life 20, 30 years ago, and I, like Grandpa said, the best way to double your money is fold it in half, put it back in your pocket. <clears throat> I, you know, you look at the odds. Just look at the odds of the, uh, right? But, but trying to get something for nothing, and there's a proverb uh, in chapter 13 and verse 11. It says that uh, someone who wants to get rich quick will... will um, um, <laughs> Why don't I just read it? I should have memorized that, sorry. But, but it's important because I think that um, we see this often and they're on TV, you know, you want a lifestyle like this, like this, like this. Verse 11 says, wealth from get rich quick schemes disappear quickly. 
but wealth from hard work grows. So, so it's just the, 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 the lottery mentality, you know, taking a bunch of your income and buying because you want to get something for less. The biblical pattern is to work. You want, that's how you make money. I can tell you how to make money. I can tell you how to get rich. Spend less than you make for a long time. I don't know. So, so it's confusing. Um, wealth is not getting all you can, can any way you can and then sitting on the can. Because there's actually, a, there's the, the motive is what's critical. And that's what I think the Lord is getting at here. And, um, and I think the other thing that comes up here is this guy's about to lose his job and he's not saved anything for the future. He says, I've not made any plans. I think it's really important that we make provision for the future. And the Bible even says about a righteous man uh, stores up an inheritance for his children's children. That's convicting for me. We're just talking about, Kelly and I are talking about how can we provide something for our grandchildren? Because that's, the Bible says that's a godly thing to do. This guy had made no plans for his future. And one of the reasons, Lord help me get this right. One of the reasons I think it says, and it's true that the citizens of the world are more shrewd than the godly are, because I think the the ungodly people know that someday we're going to die. And they make preparation for it, but yet godly people said, Jesus is going to look after me, we're all good. I, that's my hunch. So I just want to encourage us to think about the future. Because this guy had not thought about the future. He would not put anything away for a rainy day. So he had not made, created any savings. And he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to swindle my way. I'm going to have to figure out a way to scratch somebody's back so that they can scratch mine later. He's trying to figure out a way to get by without working. That's what he's trying to do rather than the godly would set aside some money and have a savings account, and this is, yeah, part of the plan. So anyway, um, at the end of Luke chapter 16, there's a number of summary statements I think are very profound. I don't understand them all, but I think this parable is fascinating. The first thing I think it does is money exposes where we trust. That's a convicting thing for me, because it says that your heart follows your treasure. What money will do is it'll magnify that which is in your heart. So if, I, if, so if money was not an issue, what would you do? That's an interesting question. I'm thinking yellow Corvette, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> but money is an issue. <laughs> but it just magnifies, Where, what's gonna, you know, so. Okay, so the dishonest rascal wanted a job uh, he wanted to steal. He said, I'm too proud to beg. Uh, but watch this. He says, he, but I'm going to keep stealing. I'm going to keep stealing from my employer. And I'm going to put money in other people's pockets by making this little arrangement that he had here. Um, his logic is, because he's a deadbeat, I'm going to be a mooch. And I'm going to use my employer's money to provide for me in my future. That's what he's doing. So up to this point, it's just interesting. But what he's doing, he's using others' money to influence others and win favors. And, um, and I think that that's fascinating. But here's where it gets weird. In verse 8, it says, The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. That's an interesting passage for me. Um, and I think it, re- it, it, it reveals the attitude that 
that, this, that his master had towards money. That money is simply a tool. That it's not, won't create security in life like we think, but it's simply a tool. And I, and I got a feeling that, that he was forced to finally look at his future and the employer or the master must have smiled and thought, well, looky here, the young fellow's shaping up a little bit. He's realizing that money is simply a tool. And I'm gonna use it to provide for my future. Let me take it a little bit f- further. The number one use of money is to touch other people's lives for eternity. That's what I believe. I know that a thousand years from today, everything that I have will be of no consequence. I will not think 1,000 years from today, I should have bought another flat screen TV. I will wonder, has what I, as the money that I was entrusted with, is it impacting people for eternity? Is it helping one more person find Jesus? Is it welcoming one more person into the kingdom of God? This is what 1,000 years from today, if we're gonna think about our future, We can use finances to send on ahead. And I'm not sure exactly how this works, and I'm taking a little bit of license here. But when I die, I expect that there's going to be a little, there's going to be a few people in heaven that are going to walk up to me and say, thank you for preaching the gospel consistently throughout your life. Thank you for doing that. You may not have known, but you have impacted my life in eternity because of what you've done. The best purpose of prosperity is to invest in people's lives for eternity. That's the best use of prosperity. Having said that, does God want you to just expect to live in poverty and your kids to live in boxes under the bridge? No. That's, that is a crazy overcorrection. That would not be the case at all. That would not be the, wouldn't, be, wouldn't be a good use of your funds neither. So, so the only thing that's going to matter is how much did we invest in other people's lives. The only thing that will ultimately matter is eternity giving directly to people or giving to a church or a ministry that's working and reaching people with the gospel is our purpose for prosperity. We need to keep living in the present but thinking of the future. His master knew that wealth was not just money. Uh, It's just an interesting thing when a thief is taking, so if your heart is connected to things, so I can, you know, so here's what's gonna happen. Like I keep, I have, certain, I have certain protection over our stuff at home. I mean, I shouldn't, you know, so if somebody stole, came, came in, like I've got, I've got a defender, that's what I got. If someone, so for somebody to go, so for me to come in, find, come in the house and find somebody stealing a bunch of our stuff, and for me to like just go, hey, hey, way to go. You got past the security system. Atta boy. Here, you need some more? I got some stuff hiding over here. Did you see how absurd the, the point is? Well, I think that that's what he's saying there. He's, he's congratulating the guy because he's saying, because here's where I, I want us to remember, I want us to come back, that God is this, our source. And people can steal your stuff but they cannot steal the favor of God in your life. They cannot steal the blessing of God in your life. If God is blessing you and he's the one who gives you the ability to create wealth, if he's blessing you, he can't, people can take all your stuff and you can get it all back again in a very short period of time because it's the blessing of the Lord that makes rich and he doesn't add sorrow to it. Now there's another way to get riches and add sorrow to it. That's doing it without the blessing of God. That's the other way you can do it. 
But the point I'm making here is that God is our source. And our lives need to reflect that he is our source. And if people take our stuff, this happened to me when that guy, you know that guy that stole that money from me and I got all ripped, you know, up inside and I wanted to just tell him what, what, about who, who, and ma, ma, ma. Eventually what started to happen is I started to get all knotted up inside and I actually, I'd go to pray and all I could think about is this guy that stole this $13,000 from me. Eventually I had to sit down across from him because I had to go, listen, my money is just my money. But when you steal my peace, that's a different deal. I'm coming to you and saying, you keep the money. I need the peace of God ruling in my heart. You can have it, but I need the peace of God so I can hear from God, so I can keep my conscience clear. So here's what I want to say to you. You're forgiven. Go ahead and have a good day. About seven years later, his son wrote a check for me. He didn't know. He wrote a check for $10,000 because he said, I want to put this, give this to you and Pastor Kelly to plant some churches. He didn't know that his dad stolen 13000 from me. But what you need to do is you gotta, we got to learn to let go of stuff or else it will get a grip on us. That's all I'm saying. Okay, let me just wrap this up. That seeking first the kingdom of God. Here's what's important. Money is a great servant and a terrible master. Jesus reminded us that prosperity is a, just a byproduct of walking with God. That's all it is. Um, he said, seek first the kingdom of God and I'll add all this other stuff to you. And what, is, what was he referring to? He was referring what, ra- what rust and moths could eat. What's that? Cars and clothes. That's what it is. So what he's saying, he says, oh, if you would just seek me first, well, then you, our natural mind goes, well, if I don't look after myself, who's going to look after me? That's the very point. God will look after you. If you'll let him be first. And it's not that he's trying to take something from us. But it's always been throughout the, seems all through the biblical narrative, you see, okay, there's all these trees in the garden, uh-huh, but there's one, don't touch it. He said, he said there's, you know, when he, when he would come, uh, um, come, they came into the promised land and he said, there's one city I need you to set aside for me. There's always a portion that if we'll trust God with that. And that's why he said, if you bring me the first fruits in, watch how I'll, I'll fill up your barns with the rest of the stuff. If you'll trust me with the first little bit, you watch what I can do with the rest. And later on, there's all kinds of people but he said, no, I want, a, I want a people for myself. There was a portion he wanted for himself. There's all kinds of people. But Jesus said, or the Father said, I'm going to give one. And because of that, you and I get to enjoy an incredible life. He's asking us, will we trust him? Not as just our source, but constantly we act like, Lord, it's all yours, and we're just stewards of it. It's a beautiful thing and a frightening thing when you say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to give? So about a decade ago, the Lord, I was complaining about not having spending money. He said, well, you trust me. I said, well, I, I think I do trust you, Lord. Yeah, no, you just trust me with salvation. Well, you trust me with provision. So how am I going to do that? He said, I want you to go get a $100 bill and keep it in your wallet. And whenever I tell you, will you give it? This is a crazy idea, isn't it? Does that seem like, that sounds like, like a get thee behind me Satan idea. <laughs> it might be something that you maybe need to do to learn to trust. Is that you keep a $50 bill, you keep a $100 bill. Say, Lord, is there somebody you, that needs this? I want you to use me. I want you to not get money to me, but I want you to release money through me. 
that it's no longer my master. I can't serve two masters. I can only serve one. There's only room on the throne for one. It's a big deal. As we close this morning and I'm thinking about all these things, there's so far I have to go with learning about trusting the Lord. But even last week, you know, when we're sending people, and we're, it, it, we, sometimes it takes something to, to bring a change about. And um, why do you want to start another church downtown? Because I need to give. This Christmas, you know, we've seen the trend of our finances. We're going like this and pretty, you know, the board. I'm so happy that our board is people of faith. And so what should we do? I said, I think we need to give. And I had 100% agreement. I think we need to give. Why? To, to just break this hold of fear and release faith. <laughs> God, we just thank you. Let's all just stand together as we close. Father, we thank you for your incredible provision within our homes and our families and our lives and our church. I thank you, Lord, that the provision that we enjoy is not based on the economy of Calgary, but it's based on the economy of heaven. And I thank you this morning, Lord, that people's minds are being freed from the jail and the prison of hoarding and having to strive and having to do it all themselves. But Father, today, maybe we could just open our hands and say, Father, I want to trust you with my finances as well. Father, I thank you that you are good and that you desire to bless your people. And I thank you today, Lord, for, for shaking us free from looking around us of where our provision comes from, our help comes from the Lord. Doesn't come from the hills. Doesn't come from the oil in them, their hills. Doesn't come from those cattle on a thousand hills. It comes from you, Lord, who provides everything generously and freely. So, Father, I thank you for such a great salvation that we can enjoy today. And I thank you for your provision for your body. In the powerful name of Jesus, amen. It's a really important thing. We got a prayer team here this morning. We welcome, glad to pray for you. If you'd like to, if you don't know Christ the Savior, we welcome you to come over to this side of the platform. If you need healing or ministry of any kind, you're wrestling with something, I want you to come stand over here. We'd like to pray for you. If you're having a financial struggle, you just need someone to pray with you, just come on up to the front before we go. Through those doors walk people who are blessed, financially provided for, overcomers in this world. God bless you. You're released. Go and have an awesome week. Amen. this message has impacted you. For more information about what's going on, please check out our website at myc3church.ca. Now go change your world.